Hi, and welcome to the Virtual Classroom Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Ring, and I'm so glad you're here. In the Virtual Classroom, I invite virtual teachers from across the country to sit down and talk to all of us about what it's like to be a virtual teacher. It is my hope that through our conversations, we can educate, collaborate, and of course, connect to build a tribe of virtual teachers. Thanks again so much for being here. Hey everyone. Hey everyone. Today is the season finale and I'd just like to say thank you to all the teachers that I got to talk to this this first season. It was an honor to be able to talk to them and also an honor to be able to share their stories, their expertise, their wisdom, all of that with you. And a big round of applause to our listeners. This podcast is, is for you. And it wouldn't be possible if you weren't listening. So I'm incredibly grateful for my audience and the community that we've created through this podcast and everyone that embraced me through it. I'm so thankful and excited to bring season two to you in August. So I do have a few more episodes, a few more conversations to share, but I am in desperate need of a break. I am on summer vacation now and this it's my hope to share those conversations just sporadically this summer or as bonus episodes in season two. So as we finish season one, it's my hope to share some stories with you today. Uh, these stories are to entertain you, to encourage you and help you find maybe some value. As a teacher, we have all experienced successes with our students and their families, but sometimes we get hung up on the struggles. I also wanna just give full disclosure that the purpose of this is to entertain you <laughs> and not to be hung up on the students or the stories, but because it's not about the students, not about their families. It's about the lessons that I learned through them. So for our first story, I'd like to talk to you about my assault. So about a month before my son was born, so six years ago, actually, I was assaulted by one of my students. And let me just say that this isn't something that you would see on the news or on Facebook or even written in the newspaper, but assault is assault. And it did happen to me and it did change me, but I am thankful it's not as big as what it could have been or has been with other teachers. So this particular student was new to my class. Not He came to my class after spring break. We're trying to give him a fresh start in a new class. And my heart really just went for this kid. Um, now that I have a son and now I have more years under my belt, I look back and see that the student just really needed some love. So I'm, I'm so thankful that I did. I gave that to him. But now it's super clear to me that he just needed attention. He was crying out for attention and he didn't know how else to ask for it. And it's my wish that I would have taught him that. But I just, I didn't know that's what he was fully needing. And so, therefore, I didn't know to provide that. So, anyway, my my heart truly went out for him. I lacked understanding. I had no idea what his home life was like. All I knew is that it was different than mine. And not something that I necessarily wanted for myself. So, when I lack understanding, my default response is just to love my students. And not to say that I don't ever love my students because I do. I love my kids. I love my students. But I have a real soft spot for those kids who just seem to need extra love. I have a real heart for an underdog. And in my mind, that's what he was. 
to me was an underdog and I really wanted to see him succeed. So this student has some destructive behavior and tend to literally run away from me and the class and the building when situations got hard. And I wasn't with him for very long. Like I said, he came to me after spring break, so mid-March, into March-ish, and then I had my son in May. So he was only with me for a few weeks, uh, about, a, um, I guess, a, definitely a month, and, and then a few weeks out of the entire year, if you will. So like I said, he had some destructive tendencies and tended to run away, and I just really think he needed some 11 attention. I'm glad I was able to provide that. But again, I wish I could have provided more of that. So in May, uh, I guess April, April-ish is probably when we did state testing. So during the last few days of state testing, he decided to literally run. And I am told that right before he stood up from his desk, I was told by my proctor that he was smiling. And I'm not sure why, but it does kind of add an eeriness to the story and the situation, right? So when I saw him, though, he wasn't smiling, and I quietly tried to sit him down. I thought he was upset. I thought he, the test was bothering him somehow. You know, I don't know. So I tried to ask him nicely to sit down, but he literally pushed his body into my eight-month pregnant stomach. And because... I didn't want to escalate the situation or cause harm to my unborn child. I got out of the way and let him go. And I just texted my administrator to let her know. And I didn't see him for the rest of that day. And I think it was either the next day or a few days later. I can't remember when I saw him again in class. And this was normal because, like I said, he was a runner. So he would run away and... I didn't know. I've never had that experience. This was only my third year teaching and I had no idea how to handle that situation. So a few days later, he was back in my classroom and I was so stoked to see him and welcome back into our classroom. And although I, again, had never experienced, let alone understand his life circumstances, I could tell that he was hurting. And I know enough about people that the reason they tend to hurt other people. When people hurt other people, it's because they're hurting, right? I know that I don't cause pain or hurt on anybody in my life, but when I do, when it does happen, it's typically because I'm hurting too. So during this day, he he did something destructive and I decided that for the safety of our classroom and for himself, that he should just be close to me. So I put his desk right next to mine. The next day he came in and was working awesome and I was so thrilled. I was having one of those like out of body visuals where I was like, yeah, he's doing awesome. I made a good decision. He feels safe. I feel safe. We all feel safe. We're going to have a great day. And I was teaching. I did a small group. He was still doing awesome. So I was like, I'm going to give him some positive feedback. So... Uh, Just as I was about to say, good job, my hand was already on his left shoulder. He then decided to grab my my right hand with his right hand. So he just crossed his arm over, grabbed my index finger, and just shoved it back real hard. Too fast for my my whole hand to respond. 
and I thought my index finger broke. <laughs> so I thought it might have dislocated, but I didn't hear a crack or a pop. So I was unsure, but oh my gosh, it hurt and has never hurt more since. So I managed to calmly say to him, Al, could you please stop? To which he released, thankfully. But he never turned around and had no idea that he hurt me so badly. But I was crying. I was just silently crying. And yes, the pain was obvious as to why I was crying. But there was also some emotional pain. I had never and have yet and again have never imagined a student actually hurting me. And even the when he pushed his body into mine, I don't think he had the intention of hurting me, but that might have just been me being naive. <laughs> so uh, I just couldn't and still can't imagine why a student would want to hurt their teacher, especially when they've shown nothing but love. But we'll get to that. So as he returned to his work, I turned to my computer and watched my finger start to swell up. And so it was hurting, it was swelling, and just the whole thing was traumatic, right? So I, again, realize that other teachers have experienced worse. I get that. But at the same time, I had no idea and call it privilege, call it whatever. I just, I... I still have a hard time understanding why anybody would want to hurt anybody, period. It's, it just mind bottles me. So um, call me naive, call me privileged, call me whatever, but also know that it's coming from a place of love that I feel that all people should be treated equally and and kindly. So as he turned to return to his work, I turned to my computer and what again, watched my finger swell and I started typing and I just started typing without that finger uh, to my administrator and an email, obviously, (laughs) to address uh, the issue. Just typed up a real quick summary, put my principal and assistant principal on it, marked it as important and just requested some uh, support in that. And before I knew it, my principal and assistant principal came busting through my door with faces of shock like oh my gosh I think they anticipated it being worse or chaotic I don't know but they excused me called the police and allowed me to call my husband and be examined by our school nurse Uh, police ended up pressing charges on this student and he was suspended for five days and some of you might be thinking only five days for assaulting a teacher that seems uh not enough. And that was my initial thought too. But now that I have had my, uh, now that I have a master's degree in educational leadership, honestly, I think five days was too much. I think 10 days of in-school suspension would have been more productive and better for the student. So that's the, if I could go back and advocate for this student on his behalf, that's what I would have asked for is 10 days or five five days if they want to keep it at five, but in school suspension instead of out of school suspension. When he returned to school, he was placed in a different class uh, and it broke my heart because I really did love this student, but due to my pregnancy, I needed to feel safe. And about a week before school ended, I ended up having to be induced due to having preeclampsia. So we weren't really weren't together very long, just mid uh, 
March to April, uh, probably end of April-ish. And the lesson I learned from this student is how impactful home life is. It didn't matter how good of a climate my school had or created, and it didn't matter how strong my classroom community was. And just a background knowledge, this was the second year I had these kids. I looped up with them. Uh, So I had these students from third grade, and I think that was one reason why we placed him in my classroom is so that way they were well my class was a well-oiled machine and and we had a really great community and so we were hoping that that positive strong community would just embrace him and they did my kids really did embrace him and 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 loved him too as far as I could tell but it just wasn't enough Uh, he didn't get what he needed outside of my four walls. And as a teacher, I thought I should be able to overcome these obstacles and that whatever is outside these walls shouldn't matter. And that was really naive thinking. And I'm only one person, one teacher, and it's my hope that my love and acceptance expand expanded in the years after that. After he left my classroom, it's my hope that other teachers the next year and the years after continued to show him love and acceptance and it's my hope that now that he loves and accepts himself and as a teacher I can only meet the obstacles as best I can as much as I like to believe that I'm Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman I'm not and I can only do the best I can each year with each child I may not overcome every obstacle but I may be able to weaken the insecurities that wraps around that student's heart. And isn't that what it's about? It's just meeting our kids where they are. And I've shown myself a lot more grace, a lot more understanding. And for me each year, I don't, if I didn't quite meet the goal that I hope to meet with a particular kid, I still like to look at any kind of success we may have. For example, like this year, I had several kids who have testing anxiety and to the point of tears at the very beginning of the year. Well, we still had testing anxiety at the end of the year, but we didn't have any tears. And so we didn't quite win the war, but I do feel like we won the battle. Uh, And that's what I'm trying to convey with this student. It's my hope that I at least was able to weaken the obstacle, even though we weren't able to actually jump over the hurdle completely. All right, act two or story two, however you want (laughs) to take that. It's called, I'm a real teacher. I'm a real teacher. Over the course of my career as a virtual teacher, I've had several families assume that I'm not a real teacher. And you might be asking yourself, uh, what are you doing to make them think that, Kimberly? The only thing I'm really doing is I work for a charter school. You see, in in Oklahoma and probably several other states, maybe all 50, I have no idea. I haven't done the research on that. But definitely in Oklahoma, Oklahoma charter schools are not required to hire certified teachers, meaning They don't have to be certified teachers. They don't even have to have a teaching degree in order to be teachers. Now, I can understand this for, for, you know, those performing arts schools. Like, I could see that in some subject matters, but definitely not 
things like reading and, and math and, you know, those should definitely have certified teachers, right? So my school is the anomaly. We not only hire certified teachers, but we also hire certified teachers and place them in which they are certified to teach, meaning we don't have us just certified teachers in art and they're teaching pre-K or middle school, you know, or anything. If they are certified algebra teachers for middle school, they are teaching middle school algebra, you know, that kind of thing. That's just an example. So I will never be teaching high school because I'm not certified for high school. And I love that because it, I'm playing to my strength and I'm teaching what I know and, and I, you know, I don't have to worry about trying to teach a high school or geometry because I'm not certified for that. Anyway, this is where that misconception or misunderstanding comes from, from my uh, families. They believe for whatever reason that we are not certified because most schools do, most charter schools do not hire certified teachers for whatever reason. Another interesting thing about Oklahoma is we have a Reading Sufficiency Act law that is in effect for kindergarten through third grade, but really it hits hard in third grade. If they cannot show proficiency in third grade on one of the several approved ways, like state testing or approved assessment tool like NWA MAP, and there's some other loopholes or good cause exemptions, uh, if they can't show proficiency then they cannot move on to the fourth grade. And so with that, those two together, this misunderstanding and teachers saying I'm not a, or these parents saying I'm not a real teacher and this Reading Sufficiency Act law, I'm having these end of year conferences to let them know the final blow. We took our state testing and we got the results back and we do not have any proof to show that their child is proficient in reading and therefore they have to be retained. And so we have some really frustrated parents. And again, this is to entertain you. I'm not, I'm not upset with these parents. I'm not trying to shame them or anything like that, but it really was a misunderstanding. They didn't think I was a real teacher. So after like the fifth conversation, of them saying like, you're not a real teacher. I'm going to go, we're going to take our kid back to a traditional school. And I start to doubt myself. Am I a real teacher? And I look up at my wall like I am right now and I see my diploma. I see my teaching certificate. I see my teacher of the year award. Like, no, I think I am. I am a real teacher. I feel like Pinocchio, I am a real teacher. Um, I don't say that to them. I'm super polite. But the point is with that story is that we've all had those doubts. I hope I am the only one. I hope I just gave you a good laugh. But if you're out there and you're, if you've ever had those doubts, maybe I'm not a real teacher. If you've ever giggled at yourself when an administrator said, you're the expert, then that's for you. And I remember feeling like that. I remember feeling maybe I'm not an expert at teaching. Maybe I'm not a, you know, a professional or, you know, I, maybe I'm not all these things that I should be. I started to believe my administrator when she said, you are the expert. And that made a world of difference this past year for me, 
and stepping into that role, I started to feel what I hope a doctor feels like as a professional. So I am a doctor in my classroom for my kids, trying to prescribe them what they need and supporting them in that. And I believed in myself in a way that I never had. And it's my hope, wherever you are right now, if you have any doubts about yourself and your capabilities of being a teacher or a professional or an expert in this field, I want you to shove that doubt away. You are an expert at virtual teaching. You are a professional. And I believe the real issue with education and why government feels like they can just walk all over us is because we do not believe in ourselves enough to stand up for ourselves, like really stand up for ourselves. So there's other countries where Teachers are viewed at the at the same level as a as a lawyer or a doctor, and I ask myself why. And it's probably because they believe in themselves, and so does society. And that has to start with us. We need to start believing in ourselves in a way that others are not. And if that begins with me, with for you, I believe in you. You are an expert at virtual teaching or teaching wherever you're at in in education. And please start believing in yourself. And maybe if enough of us believe in ourselves, education will truly be reformed and for the better. And my last story that I want to share with you, Act 3, is a story of success. While teaching virtually, I've had countless success stories. Countless! But I wanted to share a recent one. And it involves two siblings that were adopted. And my heart especially went out to these two students because I was also adopted. And they came to me at the very beginning of the year and their learning coach was so nervous about not uh, only for their success, but also her own. And I've learned over the past five years that any kind of nervousness that a learning coach has is actually a sign of success. A new learning coach, uh, that role can be scary. And it doesn't necessarily come with a checklist yet. That's something I want to make this summer. But being nervous about failing always tells me that they want to be successful, that they want to succeed. They want their students to succeed. And so I always tell them that's a good sign. I'm glad you're nervous because it's going to tell me that you're, it tells me that you're motivated to, to do whatever you can to support them. So these, these kiddos came to me. They were so low in reading and math that we had a lot of academic gains to to make. And they came to Class Connect every day. They worked in their OLS every day. And every day in Class Connect, we have independent practice. And they turn on their mics and webcams. And it's always a joy to see my students. But it was especially joyful to see them. Because not only did I see them work, but I also heard them cheering each other on and I could hear them collaborating with each other on independent practice. They weren't cheating or anything like that. They were just, just collaborating, just talking like you would hope. And I would see their mom in the back of the room ready to support. They were, she was definitely there monitoring them and ready to support and like redirect if necessary. But it was, that was just, picture perfect 
At the end of the semester, we received some, I received some sad news that during winter break, they were moving and returning to a traditional school system. And although we were all heartbroken, we got the test results back from the latest benchmark and they had moved from below basic in both reading and math to almost proficient, like just a few points below. And they were ready to be successful in a traditional school. And I had no doubt in my mind that they would excel in every aspect of their life and because of the gains that we made. And I have several stories like that. And that's why I love teaching virtually because every, almost all my kids come to me like that. And almost all my kids leave me moving up, making some sort of academic gain. I don't, what I love about teaching virtually is that you don't have a general, we tend to not just have generally proficient kids. Most of our kids actually come to us with needing some significant gains and I get to be their superhero. (laughs) So I get to be that Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel for them. And we don't cover every, like, like earlier I said, we don't overcome every obstacle, but we jump over several hurdles every year. When my students have a strong learning coach, a willing learning coach, a supportive learning coach, and they come to class and work in their online school courses, all my kids make academic gains. And I am the hero. So with this podcast, with this final episode of season one, it's my hope that you got some laughs, but it's also my hope you got some encouragement. And know that you are an expert. Know that you are a phenomenal teacher that you are a professional, but also know and be realistic with yourself that you're not going to be able to overcome everything. And that's okay. It's okay to not overcome everything for every student. This is a team effort. And this teacher next year will pick up where you left off and keep loving and supporting your your students. And, and hopefully someday, those obstacles will be overcome, that all the hurdles will be jumped over or knocked over. (laughs) And they'll cross the finish line as successful human beings ready to be productive citizens of wherever they live. So again, thank you all so much for a great first season. I'm so stoked for next season. I'm hoping for it to launch in August, September. I'll let you guys know. But most of the episodes are going to be recorded this month in June 2020. And I am thrilled to be talking to so many teachers about different topics like dyslexia and uh, collaboration, learning groups, and standard-based learning, and so much more. I'm super stoked about it. So again, thanks. And as always, be brave, take a risk, but most of all, have fun. See you in season two. Bye, everyone.